right? We've experienced, man, I go and I get a message and then that fills my tank and then I'm able to make it through the week. Anybody else, right? Y'all, y'all ain't trying to just stay saved by Wednesday. Come on, somebody, right? Um, but that's, that's, that's part of my role. Um, but really, my role expanded. And even the Bible says um, that God gives, um, the, you know, the fivefold ministry. Prophets, evangelists, teachers, preachers, and whatever the fifth one is. Pastors. Um, to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And that's where the church has missed it so much. Is that... Um, we've conditioned people in our churches to believe that the preachers are the ones that do the work of the ministry. When I see my role to you as to equip you to go out into your everyday life um, and, 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 and do ministry. Amen, everybody. No matter where you're at, no matter how long you've walked with God. And, and my role isn't to gather followers. Or, this is how I see it anyway. My role isn't to gather followers or co- customers or consumers, um, but to live my life in such a way And to lead you in such a way that you move from this consumer-based Christianity into a contributor-based Christianity. And not only a contributor inside of here on Sunday morning, but a contributor at your job, at your school, in your family, in your life. Amen, everybody. Does that make sense? More than to build a crowd, I'm called to build people. To build a culture. Build a culture. You guys hear this a lot. I'm trying to smash this message down today because i got a lot to talk to you about. But a culture eats strategy for breakfast. I don't care how great, and I'm going to share those of you, those of you that are going to get connected today. We've got a big get connected today. It's going to be awesome after the second service um, we have get connected. But I'm going to teach you this. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. I don't care how great the worship is, how great the preaching is, how great the kids' ministry is, how many blow-ups you got in the parking lot. If the culture is bad, all of that might as well be for nothing. Amen, everybody. My role is to build a culture in this room that goes out into the world and begins to change the culture that you're a part of, at your job, at your business, at your school. And so today is one of those culture messages. It's going to be a little strong. I'm going to pastor you a little bit today. Um, um, and and I, just, I, just, I just want you to know that. But, but more, um, more than, than what to do, which is not the message today, more than what to do, this message is more of like a who we are individually and corporately um, as New Life Church. Amen, everybody? I say amen because I just want to make sure I keep you, keep you on the bus with me. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, let, let, let's start then. Now that we've got that, that qualified, this is a culture message. Man, I'm sending you out into your everyday life um, also here, but in your everyday life. Um, let me just start with a question this morning. How many of you in this room, and you raise your hands because this is a hand-raising church, right? Is it... Okay, and um, I thought I was maybe at a somewhere else today. Okay, who in the room today would be honest with me and tell me, raise your hand and tell me that you want to live the best life possible that you can live on this earth? How many of you would be honest, raise your hand and tell me you want to live the best life possible? You want to, right? You want to, you want to live the best life possible um, inside of your life. Now, with that same honesty, Y'all ready? I'll raise my hand for the first one. I want to live the best life possible, right? So now with that same honesty, who of you in this room would honestly tell me you're living that life today? That's what I thought. You know, when you're writing these things, you just never know. But that's what I thought. I thought most of us, nobody wakes up and says like, hey, I wish I could have a crappy life. 
Like, I wish my life would just suck. I wish I would have all the problems. I wish I'd have no money. I wish I would walk through a divorce. I wish I'd walk through bankruptcy. I wish I'd walk through rejection. I wish I'd walk through. No, no one says that. Everybody wants to live the best life possible. And none of us seem to be living or pursuing or even like chasing that life. We're just kind of stuck in the life that we were, that we were given or the life that, that culture around us tells us we should live. Amen, everybody. What if I also told you that the life you want, wherever you're at in your season of life, that the life you want, the life where there's provision, everybody wants some money, right? Come on, somebody. Everybody don't want to stress about the light bill, right? Where there's peace. How many of y'all would think y'all could get some more peace, right? Where there's genuine contentment. That's what I want. I just want to be happy with what I have. Not like that I don't want something else or something different or something nicer, but that I could be okay where I'm at. Genuine happiness in every season, no matter what you walk through, because, because the, the truth is that the Bible doesn't promise us a pain-free existence. Right? Even Jesus suffered all the things that we suffered in this life. So, so the call of Jesus is not a problem-free existence. As a matter of fact, like that's not even biblical for you to get saved and, hey, get saved, come to church, and join a small group, and drop your 10% in the bucket, and raise your hands during worship. Hey, life's going to be great. That's not only unbelievably unrealistic, but it's also not even biblical. The Bible says... In, in, in James chapter 1, verse 2, it says to count it all joy, brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. So we're going to have we're going to have problems and we're going to have heartache and we're going to walk through challenging seasons in our life. But how do we how do we live the best life possible if we're going to have to face all of these things? Jesus never promised a pain free existence. I don't care. I feel like I'm yelling today. How spiritual you are. I don't care how super saved you are. I don't care how much you read your Bible every day. I, you'll still, you're still going to face hard things in your life, period. I don't care who you are. Okay, so we've got that. I want to have the best life ever. I'm not living the best life ever. Okay, the best life ever isn't that everything's going to be okay and everything's going to always go my way. That, that, that's, that's unrealistic. And Pastor Mark just told me that is absolutely not even biblical. Okay, so my next question is, how many of you believe, because this is where we got to start, we're kind of building today. How many of you believe that, that this is God's word? Okay, and, and maybe you don't, maybe you're not there yet, maybe you're like, man, I don't know, there's some contradictions in there, and man, I heard, read, that watched this YouTube video one time that talked about, isn't there some scriptures that are in this one that weren't in the original one? Yes. Isn't there some things that, yes, but how, we, we, we've got to start at the basis today that from the table of contents in the front to the maps in the back... This is the word of God for us inside of our lives. Amen, everybody. And if we're together on that, which it seems like we are, then if my life doesn't reflect this, then I must change my life to line up with this. Are we, are we, are we, we're still, still jagging with me. If we're together on that, then our lives don't reflect what Jesus says in the word, right? Then we must do our best to adjust our lives in a way 
that we can make our lives align with what Jesus says, right? Okay. So, do you want to know what fundamentally changed the way that I look at my life? Um, and that's what I'm going to teach to you t- t- today. The principles instituted by Jesus. That is the foundational key to living the best life possible for you. I'm going to tell you how to do that today. Y'all ready? Y'all got to pay attention. Because listen, y- y'all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move out of my little young preacher and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pastor you today. But, 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 but let me tell you, it's the concept of Write this down. It's the concept of self-preservation versus a life of self-sacrifice. If you want to live the best life possible, and everybody in this room raised their hand and said, I want to live it. I ain't living it yet. I'm going to tell you. And if my life don't look like what Jesus says, I've got to adjust my life to what Jesus says. It's the concept of self-preservation versus self-sacrifice. You're going to have to pay attention today. Stay with me because we're going to, this is going to make for some healing conversations inside of your small group. The reason that when I ask you who wanted the best life possible and how many of you were actually living the best life possible for you was to, to prove a point. The point that inside of our culture today, man, this is so good. The point that inside of our culture today, we've been conditioned to chase or to build a life that is simply counter or opposite to the life that Jesus called us to live. It's the opposite. The life that's not only riddled throughout the world, but it's also riddled throughout Christians today and most Christian leaders. The idea of being self-made is attractive. Right? I always hear people say, well, I'm a self-made man. I'm always like, well, why'd you make yourself like that? Seriously. But this is our world today. I mean, I'm on social media. I I have a Facebook account. That's all I'm willing to go, guys. I can't go anywhere else. My kids are like, you need to get TikTok. You need to do this Snapchat. You need to do Instagram. And I just can't. I can't. Y'all don't want want me to pastor you if I'm full-blown into all that crap. But but self-made is attractive. The idea of I'm going to get mine, sounds good. Right? To build something big. That sounds good. It's flashy. To build something successful in the eyes of man. The hustle culture that we've created in this culture today is very self-serving. All those people you listen to, trust me, and I'm listening to them too, and I'm weeding through all this, and I'm hearing the the culture, how contradictory it is to what Jesus said. I'm listening to church podcasts, and I'm just like, you guys are freaking nuts. Like, this is the opposite of what Jesus said to do. This is not a business. This is a church. This is his living organism. This is his bride for which he'll return. He would have turned over most of the tables. Y'all are talking about setting up rather than, are y'all with me? Like, I hear this today, and I'm like, man, all this sounds attractive, and Trust me, I want to build a big church and I want to do things and I want to achieve things in my life. But the world will tell you the only way to do that is through self-preservation. The real reason why it's so attractive, this, this culture that we live in today, it's so easy to go with the flow, is because it promises a ton of things it cannot deliver. It just does. Trust me. I just can't deliver on it. Right? The world tells you if you have more money, you'll have more happiness. I mean, this is true, right? There's also some really cool studies out that above 75000 a year, your life does not change. 
and happiness-wise. Pretty interesting study Jordan Peterson did. So if the world tells us, if I just have more money, I'll have more happiness. The world tells me if I'm more successful, then the more respected I'll become. I didn't know Matthew made a slide for that. Good job, Matthew. The more known I am, right, So social media culture, the more followers I have, the more views I have, the more likes I have. Come on, everybody experiences that, whether you own a business, whatever. Then the more liked or followed I'll be. The world tells us that the more I get, the more that I can acquire, the more that I can achieve, then the more peace I'll have. The more content I'll be. Is this reality? Yet we live in a world that is so relationally disconnected and broken. You see, the world promises all this, right? I'm not off in the weeds here, am I? Okay. We live in a world that is, that is more relationally disconnected than it's ever been. We live in a world that is more filled with fear than it's ever been. We live in a world that has more anxiety than we've ever had. We live in a world that is more addicted than it's ever been. We live in a world that is more depressed and has long-term depression than it ever has. We live in a world that is more hopeless than it's ever been. Suicide rates are climbing. However, it doesn't really look like that through the lens of social media. Yet, when we read the headlines, they tell the truth. Another one dead. Another one in jail. Another Ponzi scheme that's went down. Another banker that's corrupt. Another pastor that's corrupt. Come on, somebody. Uh, another social media person that we thought had it all together is now in prison. They come on, the, TV, what, the, TV, the people on TV, now they're in prison for 86 years. Why? Why? Because the world promises all these things and it cannot deliver on them. Because the world's basis is self-preservation. I thought, I hoped it would be. I hoped it would be. I hoped it would be good. I'm serious. I told my guys at small group, I was like, I'm going to preach one of them evil can evil sermons again on Sunday. I was like, it could go good. I could end up on the front of a bus. I don't know. It's all centered around the idea of self-preservation. It doesn't seem to be working long term, this, this culture, does it? It doesn't really seem to be a life worth chasing, does it? Here's what you've got to understand. You've got to understand that, that, that God loves you. You've got to understand that. And I hope I can tell you that every single week. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believed in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. God sent His Son not into the world to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might be saved. You've got to understand that God loves you. Okay, so He wants what's best for you in your life. I'm qualifying. We're getting there. God's best for you. That's what he wants. That's his desire for you. Not to punish you, not to rub you down, not to put your nose in it, not to shame you, not to guilt you, not to condemn you. He just wants the best for you in your life. You got to understand that God loves you. You got to understand that Jesus died for you. God's desire for you is to live the best life. John 10:10 10, 10 says the thief, which is the enemy, comes to steal, kill and destroy. This is Jesus saying, "But I came that you may have life and have it abundantly." Okay, this is all good Sunday morning preaching, right? But I'm building here. You've got to get that revelation in your heart before you can ever start to live out God's word because God's word is counter to what the culture is today. And you won't live it out if you don't understand that God loves me and wants what's best for me and Jesus died for me to have a life that overcome and my life will not look like the life next to me if I live it Jesus' way. Okay. You've got to see this from 
So, so here's what self-sacrifice isn't, because that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about self-sacrifice. Here's what self-sacrifice isn't. Self-sacrifice isn't being a doormat. Self-sacrifice isn't living in poverty. Self-sacrifice it, it isn't self-deprecating. Where I'm, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to make please the Lord. It's not holiness. Holiness is a joke. Holiness is just pride masked as religion. That's all holiness is. Listen to me. Jesus was none of those things that I just mentioned, was he? Yet his entire, you got to get this this morning. Yet his entire, he wasn't a doormat. He wasn't self-deprecating. He, 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 he didn't live in poverty. He, 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 he was none of these things, yet his entire existence, and you cannot prove to me any other way, his entire existence was hinged on the principle of self-sacrifice. His entire existence, what he taught to his disciples, what he taught to the crowds, was all about self-sacrifice. God wants what's best for me. Jesus died for me. He died so that I may have a life that overcomes, the best life I can possibly have. He didn't just die so I can have a good life. He died so I can have a great life. But in order to live a great life, I've got to switch out of the world self-preservation into what Jesus said, which is self-sacrifice. You've you got to see this from a heart perspective, okay? And you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today inside of this message. So, so, so let's look at some scriptures today. And these are a few. These are a few. We're going to run through them pretty fast. But these are a few scriptures, and I want to set up a moment for you. I'll walk you through a moment in the life of Jesus and the disciples. But, but these are the scriptures that I just kind of grabbed at first value. There's, there's a trillion more in the Bible that is based around this principle of self. Because I'm going to tell you this, everything in your flesh will tell you to self-preserve. Everything will tell you to self-preserve. Oh, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't go that far. I shouldn't say I'm sorry. I shouldn't. Da, da, da. I should. And you're going to have to fight that because you want the best life possible, not just a normal life like everybody else. Amen, everybody. Okay, so this is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. No, I'm sorry, this is, this is the Apostle Paul. No, this is Jesus. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, this is Jesus, let him deny himself and... Okay, so religion has taught us that we just... Oh, oh i got to take up a cross. Oh, it's so hard and arduous. i got to be lowly in me. You know, like, like Jesus wasn't lowly in me. Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Like, and everyone left. <laughs> Jesus offended like half the crowd and they left. You, you got to see this from a God loves me and Jesus died for me standpoint, from a heart perspective. That if I want to follow Jesus, then I've got to deny my flesh. If I've got to follow Jesus, then I've got to deny Thinking about every situation in terms of what it can do for me. Every relationship and what it can do for me. Every relationship is hinged on whether or not Matt's going to this to me. Y'all with me this morning? It's this whole idea. It's the best life. It's the best life possible. He said, look, for, what, for, 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 for whoever would save his life will, but whoever loses his life for my sake, my way of life, my thing that I'm trying to do here, for what does it profit a man if he gains the entire world? World being culture today. He gets all the followers, all the likes, all the money, all the house, all the boats, all the relationship, all the things. Yet what does it profit a man if he has all of that, yet he loses his bearing, his, his self-sacrificing 
life. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. This is what I'm talking about. By testing your faith, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Ephesians chapter 5. If you're a husband, raise your hand. The Bible says, love your wife as Christ loved the church and I don't like that. Because let me tell you, I come from a very strong man family where, you know, my grandpa, he was at the dinner table at 6, 12, and 6. And, um, you know, if she cooked something he didn't like, she went back in there and made something he did like. And every every night at about 7.30, he was in his recliner and he would have a bag of popcorn and a Diet Pepsi. Come on, somebody. And that that was life. That's all I knew. And you just didn't think about those things if you were a man. But, but so so if that that's true, I, I've got to be have my mind renewed. I cannot adopt the culture of this world. I have to live in a life, lifestyle that is, I have to give my life up for her. What does that mean, guys? Well, I don't hunt as much. I don't fish as much. I don't this as much. I don't that as much. Well, whatever, whatever it is. Are y'all with me? Okay, let's keep going. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. And it said to them, whosoever, this is Jesus. This is so cool. Jesus, all the disciples are talking about who's the best. Who's the best? Who's gonna, who's, who do you like the most? Jesus. And aren't we like that? I am. And he goes, hey, just so y'all, y'all, man of God, full of faith and power, miracle working disciples, all of y'all, just so y'all know that little kid over there, whoever accepts him is better than y'all. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. So Jesus has, he's fixing to launch out the disciples. He's fixing to send them out two by two to go into the, all the places that he's about to go minister in to, to prepare the way for him. And he has this conversation and this moment. This is what I want you to get. You, you understand how the concept of self, self-sacrifice versus self-preservation? This is riddled throughout the entire Bible. I don't have the time today literally to list all the scriptures. But it's going to change. It's going to help you live the best life you can possibly live if you can get this. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. And as they, Jesus and the disciples, were going along alone, someone said to him, Hey, I will follow you wherever you may go. And Jesus said to him, This is savage Jesus, just so y'all know. Meek and mild Jesus. Petting the sheep Jesus. He says, And he said to them, This was actually a scribe who was wanting to follow, to go with Jesus and write down his, his life and, and be a part of his ministry. That's who he's talking to here. And he says, just so you know, if you want to come ride with me, if you want to adopt my way of life, if you want to, to, to have the best life, God died for me, Jesus loved, or God loves me, Jesus died for me. If you want to have the life that is abundant, he said, I want you to know foxes have no holes and, bir- and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has to lay his head. And another said, follow me. And another, And to another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, I got this stuff I got to do. He said, let me bury my father. This is savage Jesus. You want to live my life? You want to have the best life possible? He said, let the dead bury the, their own dead. But as for you, go 
because I know you're going to go anyway, but as you go, go and proclaim the gospel, the kingdom of God. Verse 61, and yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first go back and say farewell to those at my home. Verse 62. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is pretty strong teaching. This is an interesting and challenging interaction that Jesus has with those around him. This is strong teaching, no doubt. If I got up here and told y'all these things, you would not, you'd find some other place to worship. But much like all of the other scriptures that we read today, it makes us feel a little uncomfortable. You kind of feel naked when you think about living a life of self-sacrifice versus a life of self-preservation. You kind of feel a little weak living a life full of self-sacrifice rather than a life full of, of self-preservation. Are y'all with me? Are y'all taking the same mental journey I did when I came to this about a year and a half ago? It makes us a little uncomfortable. But let me tell you this. Comfortability will not move you. You do not, do not grow when you are comfortable. Hello. Growth is found in us being uncomfortable, which causes us to move to a better place. So allow that uncomfortableness in your spirit to move you into growth. Amen, everybody. So he says all that. Foxes have no holes, birds, blah, birds, foxes have holes, birds have blah, blah, blah. Son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Hey, go, go let the dead bury the dead and come follow me. Hey, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is all self-sacrifice. That's what he's trying to teach him. And then he goes right to this, Luke chapter 10, verse 1. This is the next thing he does in Scripture. After he gives them the concept, it's not about you. Because that's really what it is. Why do you need to go, like, let's just be super real. And I love y'all, I probably won't say the second service, but like, the funeral ain't for the person who's dead. They're dead. I've, I've done a hundred of them. And it's just, they don't care. They're just, they're embalmed, sitting in the front of the auditorium. My dad, I, mean, I did his funeral, and he was in a coffee can. No, actually, he was in a casket, but he's in a little urn on my thing, and I like it. And, but like, he don't care. He dead, he dead. He's in heaven. He's dancing in the streets of glory. He don't care whether we get together or not. He don't care whether or not we say good things about him. But we do. Right? So Jesus in his own way is trying to pull out this self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice. Don't self-preserve to put them into a better place in life. So here's the next thing he does. Does that make sense? Okay. Luke chapter 10 verse 1. He says, after the Lord appointed 72 others, he, he, okay. After he got them to grasp the concept of self sacrifice, not self-preservation, he sent them. Two by two in every place uh, where he was going to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Self-sacrifice is realizing it isn't about me. Self-sacrifice is realizing that I am sent. I have a, a mission. I have a journey. I have a purpose. Self-sacrifice is realizing what I'm created to do. Self-sacrifice allows me to see the harvest. Jesus gathers them all up. Right? I can just see him. He's like, pray unto the Lord of harvest. He said, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. So I want you guys to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers. And they're like, yes. 
they're like, yes, let's, let's pray, guys. God, we just pray that you would just send laborers, God. You would send people out into the world to reach the lost. And I can just picture Peter like looking up at Jesus and Jesus is like, You're the laborers. (laughs) Hey, you're the laborers. You're the laborers. You're the laborers. 53% of the world will never come through the doors of the church. One in three in the pandemic dropped out and have not been back. The national average was 73 down to 67%. You're the laborer. Self-sacrifice is realizing that I'm sent. You got to teach them that to get them there. Self-sacrificing is realizing I have a purpose to live out the Great Commission. Self-sacrificing is, it allows me to see the harvest. Self-sacrifice is where, I, where living my best life starts. You can't convince me anything other than that. Self-sacrifice slows me, my eye down. Self-sacrifice shifts my focus off of my needs. And onto the needs of others. Self-sacrifice provides me the joy that I so longed to have. Self-sacrifice puts me in a position to be blessed by God with an eternal blessing that man cannot take away and cannot fade. Come on, somebody. The Bible says, do not store up treasures where moth and vermin can eat them, but store up treasures in heaven. That's what I'm trying to do. Come on, somebody. Because I ain't living for this life. It is but a vapor. My life here is just to impact people, preach the gospel, get them saved, get them to heaven, because that's the only thing I can't do when I get to heaven is preach the gospel. That's what self-sacrifice is. Is, it, is it, y'all feeling it? Feels good, huh? Come on, y'all getting this? All right, all right. The best life ever is actually found in self-sacrifice. What I've discovered and what I've seen inside of my life and the life of Jesus is that self-sacrifice actually delivers on what self-preservation promises. Thank you, Ryan. The best life ever is actually found in self-sacrifice. The best life ever is actually found as we walk in the character and example of Jesus. Yes, we will get it wrong. Yes, we will have our moments. Yes, we're all human. And the good news is the Father knows that about us. However, when the north star of my life, we're all going to wander because we're sheep, and sheep don't wander well. But when the north star of my life is self-sacrifice. Come on, are y'all with me? When the overarching theme and goal of my life is self-sacrifice, we're able to create an emotionally stable, sustainable, best life ever. When you can't move my emotions, because I'm not worried about my emotions, I'm more worried about yours, we live a better life. When I'm not worried about whether or not Dino and I work together and he gets the promotion and I don't, I'm actually able to live a better life because I'm so happy for Dino. Because I know that God's love and mercy and blessing is not zero sum. Just because Dino got 60% means I only get my 40. You understand this? This is not only, this is, this is so good. So let's end right here. Let's, let, let, let's finish up talking about what the life of self-sacrifice will give you, Okay. Can I, are, is this making sense? Do y'all like this? That's good. This is culture. This is who we are. You're going to live your life like this. Like, I, I mean, you can take it to the nth degree. Well, what about, poke holes in it. Try. What about when somebody blah, blah, blah. 
I don't care. Self-sacrifice. Well, what about when, when this happens? I don't care. You're, 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 I'm lining up with the character and lifestyle of Jesus, which is self-sacrifice. And I've just got to believe that if my life don't look like that, I've got to make my life look like that. I have to believe that that's better. And I promise you what you'll find is that's true. You'll be so much more free. You'll, you'll be so much more happy. You'll be so much more content. Here's what a life of self-sacrifice provides you. Number one, it provides you peace. It just really does. I'm going to talk about this practically. I ran this message by Ryan, and he said it was good. He's like, but it needs to be practical at the end. So I'm going to get practical because it was really metaphorical and theoretical, but I want to get practical. Here's what it will give you if you'll, if you'll live this life. And I'm, I'm, I'm human, and I'm an idiot, and I mess up, but I, this is my North Star is I just want to serve people. Like, I'm not here so you can give enough so we can get to somewhere else or I can buy something else and I've got another job that I work. I, I'm not here for that. I'm literally here for you. That's what I'm here. I'm not here to lord over you. I'm here to serve you. It's this servant leadership. You're, you're with me. So a life of self-sacrifice will actually give you more peace. I know that this seems a little counterintuitive because you would think you would have less peace by being self-sacrifice, but... But you not being in the center of your life will provide you with a greater level of peace. It just will. Hey, it just will. When it ain't all about me, my, and I, and my, me, my poor, pitiful me, when it's it just not, when you've moved out of that into a life of self-sacrifice, hey, God, I'm a cup, pour me out. Hey, I'm here to serve. Hey, I'm in it. Let's go. Come on, are y'all with me? You'll actually have more peace because you're just not focused on all your crap. And that's what a majority of it is. The majority of it is just seasonal. It's going to change. That relationship is going to get better. Your kid, it's just going to happen naturally through the progression of time. But as I'm focused on Megan and Aaron's needs and being able to minister to them or Melissa's need and being able to pray for her, I, I'm out of myself and I have more peace. Does this, do you feel like this is true? Yes or no? No. Okay. You'll have less anxiety. And you'll have less looping negative thought patterns when you live a life of self-sacrifice. You just will. Because the focus of your life is more on what you can provide rather than causing you stress from missed expectations about what you did or didn't get. I'm less concerned with what I get out of things these days in my life, in this season of my life. I'm honest to God, my wife can tell you that. I am more focused on what I can give rather than what I can, can, what I can provide for others than what I can get out of that interaction. And I'm going to tell you, if you're that way, it'll change your life and give you more peace. That's why when Paul quotes Jesus, he says in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, he says, in all these things I have shown you that by working hard is the way that we must help the weak. And remember the words of Lord Jesus when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Why? Because when my life is a life of sacrifice to others, and I'm more focused on what I can provide in the environment I'm in, in my job, in my school, in my class, in my family, I actually get more peace from that. It's almost like God loves me and Jesus died for me to have the best life I can possibly have. The level of peace that we walk in today is directly correlated to the level at which we're able to provide for others. Also, when we live a life of self-sacrifice, it provides us peace because it becomes harder for us to be offended. When, I, when, I, when I'm not worried about me and my, my little me, my, my little tiny me, that you offended my little tiny me, because that's what happens, right? Oh man, I'm the world's worst, y'all. I used to be so bad. I had somebody a couple months ago say uh, that I repeat all my sermons. I'm repeating sermons, doing sermons over, right? 
they don't go to church here anymore. So I guess they heard all of them. But, um, but the little me would have just got that and held on to that and stressed about that and got pissed off or mad about that. Sorry, got angry about that and like wanted to like figure out how to get them back and figure out how to like, yeah, yeah. But I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not here for them. I'm here for me. And my life is just to be poured out. And I just had so much peace. I laughed. When you can tell the level of peace that you walk in by how lined up your life is about you and not about what you can provide in the environments you're in. Hello, everybody. I'm Pat. I'm, 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 I love you. Nothing will rob your peace like carrying the spirit of offense. What is it? Worrying about ourselves? When you look at the life of Jesus, this is so good. I found this this week. I just kind of came to this realization. He was betrayed by Judas. He was stolen from by Judas. He was denied by Peter. He was lied about by the religious church people of the day. He was mocked by the Roman guards. He heard the chance of crucify him by the people he had just given his life, that he was about to give his life for. Yet he remained peaceful the entire time. Because he operated from the position that this whole life is not simply about me. It's about what he sent me to do. Because when you operate from a position, when you operate from that position, you realize that the betrayal isn't really about me. You realize that the stolen things really isn't about me. That the lies really aren't about me, that the mocking really isn't about me. And because of that heart, uh, because of his heart stayed focused on helping them, serving them, saving them, praying for them, ministering to them. That's why he was able to say right in that moment that he's hanging on the cross at Calvary, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because his life was a life of self-sacrifice, not a life of self-preservation. And because of that, he remained in peace, emotionally in control the entire time. Okay. We got two more really quick. This one's quick. When I see that I am able to see that when I become offended, listen to me, when I'm able to see that when I become offended is an opportunity for me to step back and really begin to see people the way that Jesus sees them, it gives me opportunities to be more like him. Because we got this culture where we can just click a button and someone doesn't exist anymore. Trust me, I did it to about 300 people about two years ago. And I don't even think about it. The problem is, is when we do that, we're preserving rather than sacrificing. And we don't allow us to become more like Jesus. Come on, are y'all with me? Okay, here's the second thing a life of self-sacrifice will provide you. It'll provide you fulfillment. Everybody say fulfillment. No doubt the things that we achieve, listen to me, the things that we accomplish, the things that we get in this life give us a sense of fulfillment. That would be a lie if I told you they didn't, right? It feels good, and it should when you accomplish the things you set out to. It should feel good. Your job, things we want, things that make us happy. But if you'll notice, the fulfillment you get from that is extremely temporary. Hello. When I buy the car, this is the greatest car I've ever had. 
And I'm like meticulous with it. And then like a month later, two months later, when I start paying that payment or whatever, and my kids, they just, you know, they just try, it ain't, it ain't, it's just a car. I'm not fulfilled by it anymore. Matter of fact, while I'm driving the car I prayed for in the last season, I'm looking for the car I want next. Hello. I have a boat and a camper. Both of them paid for. Love it. Live at the lake all summer. It's awesome. Sure would like to have a bigger one. I sure would like to have a faster boat. It, it, it's, it's, I, I, there was a day where I, I would have loved to have those two things and have them completely debt-free and paid for. I would have jumped up and down, crawled across broken glass. But that's what I'm saying. It's very short-lived and very fleeting, the things of this world. That car, that house, that job promotion, it's great until you actually have to start working for that promotion. <laughs> and then you realize you're still underpaid. Every job you've ever got is the greatest job you've ever had in the first month you work there. Right? Jesus shows us that long-term sustainable fulfillment is found when we meet others' needs. It really is. The kind of fulfillment that's not just like a shot in the arm that makes us feel better, a dopamine rush for a little while. No, it's the kind of fulfillment by serving others that, 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 that builds on itself. It's a compiling, it's like a snowball running downhill. It moves away, it, it moves us away from the desire to get fulfillment, and then we're able to just start walking in a life of fulfillment. I'm just fulfilled. And it just compounds. Because I realize my life ain't about me. It's really about what I can provide. And because of that, I have more peace. And, and now because of that, I have more fulfillment. I'm actually fulfilled. Because nothing of this world can fulfill me. Hello. Like a life of self-sacrifice. Each time that you notice someone, provide for someone, pray for someone, you're adding to that fulfillment level in your life and you're killing the self-preserving part of you. Every time you decide to make it not about you, you're killing that little thing, the little, the little you. The little you that gets offended, the little you that gets overlooked, the little you that gets mad. See what I'm saying? That's how Jesus was able to stay in that pocket the, the entire time. Okay, here's the last one. Uh, so it'll give you more peace. It'll give you more fulfillment when you live this way. Here's number three. It'll give you more impact. Everybody say impact. Here's why. Here's why to give you more, more impact. Is because as you begin to make the shift in your mindset, because right, the Bible says that do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So as you begin to shift your thinking, because you're going to leave here today, and you're going to really think about this, and God. The Holy Spirit's going to kind of rub on some little areas, and you're going to be like, that's uncomfortable, but comfortability isn't found in, growth isn't found in comfortability, it's the other way around, so let it make you uncomfortable, sit in it for a minute, process it, and, and move forward. But as you begin to, 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 to make a shift in this mindset and adopt the model that, that, of Jesus as a life of self-sacrifice, it allows you to begin to see your everyday life interactions differently, and you realize this. Jesus, when we shift over into a life of self-sacrifice, it, it allows you to see your everyday interactions differently. It allows you to see that, that when you're camping at Red Rock Canyon, just the people across from me aren't just people across from you. There may be people like Brendan, who I led to Jesus, who stuck a gun in his mouth in 2018 and pulled the trigger and it didn't, the gun went click. And I was able to lead him to Jesus. 
and he was just camped over there. You, you understand when you live a life of self-sacrifice, it changes the way you see the customers that walk into your store or the people that are inside of your life. Are y'all with me this morning? It changes it when you walk into Subway and you see a little April behind the counter who me and my little daughter Grace led to Jesus. Because she's not just the, someone making my sandwich. She's, I'm here to serve. Hey, hey, put me in the game. Let's go. Right? I was sitting in Branson at a show and sit beside these two people and at a Christian show. And I'm like, oh, so you guys are Christian. No, 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 we're not Christians. I'm able to preach the gospel to them. I'm not here for the show. It's nice. I enjoy it. My family's here. What's cool? We're having a great time. But I'm really here just to serve. Yeah, I'm going to sacrifice a little time with my, my, my kids and their little whatever. They're being, want me to go buy them crap anyway. So I might as well lead somebody to Jesus, right? That's, that's literally what I think. Frida's two Sundays ago, the last Sunday when Yolanda, we led her to Jesus right there. I wasn't there to eat. Yeah, I was there to eat because I was hungry. I was there to spend some time with Dr. Rudy and Nicole and everybody. And, but I was really just, I'm here to serve. What can I do? Come on. Who in here needs to hear the gospel? Oh, she does. We, me and a few people... Uh, went, went, went to went to Norman a couple weeks ago or last week to a worship night and and um, and we were at uh, what's that crappy Mexican place or uh, Italian place in Yukon Johnny Carino's and um, we start having a conversation with a girl who's walked away from the Lord because of religious people and I went there to eat I was really there to hang out eat whatever but but I'm here to serve so when you shift over into that mindset you see everyday interactions differently I'm sent. Hello. When we adopt the example of Jesus set for us, we see being a part of, of even this body differently. Right? Because how many of us can get in the rut of like making church about us? And it is. It's great. I'm here and it fills me up just as much as it does you. But when we live a life of... Uh, it becomes less about being a part of this body. It becomes less about what I can get out of today. And more about who can I serve today? I'm not talking about serving on a team even. I'm just talking about like who can you serve here today? Who can you help here today? Who can you pray with today? Who needs my seat? Who needs to pray? Who do I need to pray with? Who needs me to pray with them today? Who looks new and needs someone to go to lunch with? Who needs an invitation to a small group? When we live a life of self-sacrifice, we allow our hearts to be broken for the same things that breaks the Father's heart. And that broken heart motivates us to see His children the way that He sees them when we live a life of self-sacrifice. Hello. Purpose to live. It allows me to see my role when I live a life of self-sacrifice. My role is just to live out the Great Commission to preach the gospel and to, to make disciples. To leave a lasting impact on the world around me. And to go to heaven knowing that I'm going to walk into the arms of my Father and hear the greatest sentence I'll ever hear. Is well done, my good and faithful servant. You served me well. You lived the best life ever. Not because you were perfect. Not because you didn't say pissed off in a sermon. Not because you got it right every time. But because you chose self-sacrifice over self-preservation. Because of that, here's the people that were a part of that miracle. And I just picture that day walking into heaven. And I picture every day after that from every person. And Yolanda makes it. And when April makes it, and when Brendan makes it, not only Brendan, but, but when his kids make it, and I get to meet them in heaven someday, and 
when your kids make it someday and I get to meet them in heaven and all those people that, I, that I've been a part of weaving through eternity of, of living a life of self-sacrifice, that's the glory. That's the eternal prize. That's it. Come on. When I get to that beautiful city, far removed from earth's sorrow and care, I want to hear somebody saying, it was you who invited me here. To the Savior alone be the glory, whose spirit the witness did bear, I had I might not have heard the glad tidings, had you not invited me here. This is a life of self-service. This is different than church people. Hello. This is different than the culture today. Church people are just there to get theirs. We need church people. Amen, everybody?